0: Fighting over the VCR. My name is Nancy.
1: And I'm Matthew.
0: And we are brother and sister, and we like to talk about movies that we watched growing up together.
1: Some of which that we both really like, and some of which hopefully one of us likes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, as movies age, maybe your opinion changes a little bit.
1: Um, Sometimes. Yeah. There's some, some movies that maybe your opinion changes and you like it in a different way. Yes. Which I would say definitely goes for one of these movies for me. And then in other ways, you know, sometimes you don't like it anymore. You kind of think different ways about it. Sometimes you like it for the same reasons.
0: Yeah. Later in the show, I'll be talking about a phenomenal movie called Stand By Me.
1: And I'm going to start by talking about the world famous Super fun movie, if you are 12 years old. Goonies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just want to say that this is, you know, we try and pair movies for different reasons. Um, Sometimes it's based on actors. Sometimes it's based on general theme. Sometimes it's based on just what we feel like talking about. But um,
0: sometimes it's based if we saw them at the same time, that too, like in the same time frame.
1: Yeah. These two movies actually have a couple things in common that we totally intentionally put them together for for (laughs) these reasons Um, or not or not. But mostly because of this. But both these movies are about kids about the same age. Um, going through kind of life-changing events uh-huh. and going on an adventure, mm-hmm. and and they're about the, yeah they're the same age they're about twelve. They're about twelve years old, roughly, and they're a group of friends who are there's some sort of event that's going on. Whether it's for in Stand By Me, they're get it's the end of summer and they're getting ready to go into like middle school mm-hmm. and be kind of. Separated a little mm-hmm. bit because school is different in middle school. And in Goonies, which is kind of the the underlying theme of the whole movie, is it starts out where the main family that we're fo- following, the Walsh's, um, and the main character that were played by Sean Astin in his first movie role ever, mm-hmm. plays Mikey Walsh mm-hmm. and his brother Brandon, and their family are um, part of a group of families who, you know, all of Mikey's friends, the Goonies, all um, they all live in an area of Astoria, Oregon, called the Goondocks, which is how they get their name. And it's kind of a, I guess it's a less affluent area that is about to get purchased by a country club to build a golf course. So yeah, they're all being they're, forced to move.
0: They're victims of eminent domain. <laughs>
1: Well, and and they're buying the you know, they're they're all kind of depressed because it's, you know, by the next day, they could all be losing their homes. They all have to move away. Um, One of the the kids, Data, his family's moving to Detroit. And, you know, a lot of them kind of don't even know where they're going. Their parents just have to figure it out. And Mike, Mikey Walsh and his brother, Brand, uh, Brandon Walsh, their dad is kind of the head of the group of all of them trying to figure out how they can afford to keep the land so they can continue all, all continue living there and continue being the Goonies and be
0: friends. They're leading the resistance.
1: Yes, yes. This movie came out in 1985 and it's produced by World Famous, and, <laughs> um, you know, he really kind of put made a lot of movies for our generation Watch Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. and he is, borrowed
0: from maybe one of his other movies to help make this movie I mean, yeah it's that very, being it, it Raiders has, of the Lost yeah, Ark yeah it has a
1: very kind of Indiana Jones feel
0: yeah
1: um, but also um, and same dr-
0: actor too right is Data the same actor that's Data in, um, in the Temple actor that Doom? plays
1: actor plays uh, Short Round in Temple of Doom okay um, he, I, and he I think that that came out just before this movie or around the same mm, time okay It's directed by Richard Donner, who directed a ton of movies or Mm -hmm. had some sort of some sort of influence on a ton of movies from from the 80s. Um, If I'm just going to list a few, he is involved in Superman, the Mm -hmm. original Superman with Christopher Reeve and Superman, Two, which you don't really know because he doesn't. He was so unhappy with it. He didn't want his name on it. A great movie called Lady Hawk, which has Matthew Broderick. Uh, It's kind of a medieval Mm -hmm. kind of magical fantasy movie, Um, Lethal Weapon, Mm -hmm. (laughs) working on the Lethal Weapon franchise. He did a movie called Assassins, which is not that great, but Antonio Banderas and Sylvester Stallone, you know, that kind of stuff. So Richard Donner is the director. And this is this is probably like the most like kid friendly movie he's ever done.
0: Didn't you say didn't we see that Chris Columbus wrote it? or co-wrote it and he did a yes. bunch of movies like didn't he do a bunch of the harry potter movies he
1: directed like three of the harry potter movies yeah. and stuff so i mean it's definitely has like a a kid's feel to mm-hmm. it especially with the whole like steven spielberg has this whole kind of you know childhood adventure kind of thing oh like, yeah like et oh, you yeah. know that kind of stuff he's got that in his pocket too so mm-hmm. so anyway so Uh, Sean Astin plays Mikey. Brandon Walsh is played by... Baby Thanos. (laughs) Josh Brolin, (laughs) um, who I believe... You know, this came out in 85. Thrashin came out in 86. So, but I swear he looks like five years younger. Yeah, Thrashin (laughs) must
0: have been filmed in like 82 or something.
1: No, it was probably filmed maybe maybe. about the same time, maybe the year before, and then probably didn't get released until this movie came out because people are like, oh, Josh Brolin. Yeah. Of the other Goonies, we've mentioned uh, Data. There's uh, Chunk, played by Jeff Cohen, who um, is basically the fat kid. Yeah. That is, like, the comic relief. He's he's a, um, a perpetual liar <laughs> and tells stories that none of them believe, like Michael Jackson coming to his house and using his bathroom. And all of his friends kind of call him out on it. And Corey Feldman, who will who makes his first appearance on the podcast tonight,
0: his second appearance <laughs> it's, it's, altogether altogether, because but, he's his, in lost Boys.
1: but, um, he'll be, re- he we'll be revisiting Corey Feldman yeah. in, um, stand by me. But in this movie, he plays a character called mouth cause he's a, a total talker. asshole. And he's a talker. <laughs> oh, come on. He's, he, he's got problems. Yeah. <laughs> but, um,
0: and then Martha Plimpton.
1: Martha Plimpton plays plays uh, Steph now. The uh, better
0: female character. So
1: there's so you've got the you've got like the four main Goonies of of Chunk, Data, Mikey, and Mouth, and then his brother who is about sixteen, um, mm. jo, um, Brandon. He he there's a girl that he is dating, going on dates with named Andy, who um, you probably can't hear this because we're on you're listening to this but nancy's eyes just rolled so Mm -hmm. hard in her eyes because she was she has things to say about andy and her best friend steph played by martha Martha plimpton Plimpton. they're getting ready to to move everyone's kind of depressed they're all hanging out mikey's house and they decide and they're packing up stuff and they find in the attic of mikey's house a treasure map Left that is a, an artifact from the, the town museum, left, discovered and left behind by the pirate One Eyed Willie.
0: One Eyed Willie, we hear that name about 150 times so, in this movie. So, the
1: other <laughs> night, Nancy and I rewatched this together. This is mm-hmm. one of the first, this is one of the few movies that we've rewatched together yeah. for the podcast. Every time One Eyed Willie was said, Nancy giggled. Yeah, because like, it's funny. It's funny. Why well, is it? Fu- I- why is it funny? I don't understand. He had one eye. Pir- lots of pirates only have one eye. Why? Why is one-eyed Willie funny?
0: If I have to explain it to you, then it's not going to be funny.
1: Uh, well, I don't understand. Do you? Is it? Is it embarrassing? Yes. Okay. We maybe we maybe we won't talk about one-eyed Willie. One-eyed Willy, Oh
0: my god. <laughs> I think it's also funny because as a grown-up, you know why it's funny. But as a kid, you maybe don't get the innuendo. I'm I'm
1: still not understanding. Can you explain it to Mulder here?
0: (laughs) He watched it with us. He knows what it's about.
1: Okay. So um, they discover this treasure map and then have this idea. Hey, if we follow this treasure map and get the treasure that One-Eyed Willie has left behind... (laughs) Maybe (laughs) they can save their house. They can all live. They don't have to leave the goondocks.
0: So they have this grand plan, but there are boomerangs thrown into this. There are things that are going to create complications. A whole set of characters you completely forgot to mention. I,
1: I am not forgetting to mention this. Okay. So.
0: The Fratellis.
1: They have to go and they start their journey and you know, to find their way to One-Eyed Willie's <laughs> and his ship, the Inferno. And in order to get there, they have to go through the secret hideout of the Fratelli family game, gang. And it is an, underneath a restaurant. And of course... it serves
0: brown water.
1: And in order to get to the beginning of their journey, they have to somehow make their way through the Fratellis. Now there's Mama Fratelli and her three boys, one of which is continuing his villainous uh, um, (laughs) typecasting, Joe Pentagliano. Evil Joe (laughs) Pentagliano. He's not evil. He's just, you know, he wants to make movies. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you going to (laughs) do? And um, another actor who actually. Is, you know, in the movie, sings, you know, opera. Yeah, And apparently uh, very that, bizarre. Was, that was written into the script because he could sing opera. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Robert Davy yeah. is his name.
0: He's, and- he's done weird political voiceovers for conservative candidates. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's very bizarre.
1: That was a sarcastic wonderful. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Anne Ramsey plays Mama Fratelli, who um, other people might know from... Throw Mama from the train. Okay, that's what I thought. The other movie that that she's pretty known for.
0: Not that I've seen that though.
1: But then there's the third son, Mm -hmm. known only as Sloth, who is um, kind of a a super like like you want to just feel for this for this guy because you almost it's just sad.
0: He he reminds me of characters from that X Files episode Home.
1: Yes. Yes, where But
0: you actually feel so bad for him.
1: Yeah, he he has been kind of he's disfigured in oh, his face. Yeah. He's not mm-hmm. he can't really talk very well. He's not very smart, but he's super strong and they keep him chained to a wall. At the, so in the sad. basement of the of the restaurant. <sighs> so the Fratelli's they're real winners. They're, they're the family that you really want to be a part of. And uh, the movie actually opens with them breaking out. Uh,
0: Italian r- singer.
1: Jake, Robert Davies' ca- character, out of prison. So at first they get through, they have to get through the Fratellis. And then once they do, they begin their journey through caves, through booby traps, booty traps? That's what I said. Booby traps. That's what I said. (laughs) Booby traps. Um, And they kind of, like, while they're having this journey, kind of have some moments where they're kind of, you know, kind of finding themselves, um, helping each other, showing what true friendship is about by helping each Mm -hmm. other. It's also about teasing each other, which is Mm -hmm. not what 12-year-old boys do, which is not the greatest thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're kids. What do you do? Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit in Stand By Me. Um, Oh, yeah. But um, they go on this adventure, and, um, you know, one of the things that also these two movies have in common is um, they really talk like kids because... They swear a lot. They swear a lot. <laughs> and when parents aren't around, that's what kids do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was definitely, you know, they got the language down on this. There's de- some real kind of cheesy moments in, in the Wishing in this Well movie. scene. Yeah.
0: I swear to God. I remembered that scene like once it happened. I said, oh God, we're going to get the, you can't take these. These are someone else's dreams. These are mm-hmm. someone else's wishes. And I'm like,
1: Nancy was about to throw up when we were watching that scene.
0: There's definitely some ultra cheesy moments in this movie. Yeah. And that is probably top of the list.
1: Well and I think that you have to remember, like, they wanted to make this movie in a sense like it was for people who of that age. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. It's for
1: kids. So it's not it's, it's not for grown ups, it's, it's, it's for, for kids. I think that like there's there's a lot of different things that jumped out of this movie. Like sitting there like oh, I this is why I like this movie growing up and probably why a lot of people the same age and people still like this movie like I love all the like Rube Goldberg machines for the booby traps yes, and stuff those are
0: all wonderful
1: and, and 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 it and the way that they kind of set that up is great because you there's all these booby traps that are throughout these caves mm-hmm. that they run into where it's like oh don't trip on this wire and it's at, and you know this giant thing will fall on you and or you have to play the or, the organ of bones, the bones, which is really amazing looking. Yeah. And um, you have to play that or the floor. It, it either opens a door if you do it right. And if you play the song yeah. wrong, the floor drops out and you yeah. land on spikes. But... Um, They really set that up really well at the beginning of the movie when they're trying to they're going to let Chunk into the house. And in order to open the door, there's a Rube Goldberg machine that opens the gate. It's it's
0: great. (laughs) It's so it's so good at the beginning. Yeah. And basically all of the stuff that Steven Spielberg borrows from Raiders of the Lost Ark are some of the best parts of this movie, like all the stuff in the caves. And just the look. It has has a
1: look. That is very similar, like that, and with like the music and everything, mm-hmm. you would identify this as a production, but like coming out of his production mm-hmm. company at this point. That's one of the things I really like. I really liked about it. I thought that the kind of relationship that the the kids have, the Goonies have, is pretty realistic mm-hmm. as far as a friendship goes, mm-hmm. um, and having those kinds of it, you know, wanting to go on those kinds of adventures. And I think that, you know, not every kid that's 12 has that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, any kid who still has an imagination right before, you know, right before they decide that they have to lose their imagination and become a teenager. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: I think that that, it kind of plays on that, which is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I think, I think they picked a good location for this, meaning that, you know, they live kind of... Um, in a coastal, woodsy town, the ocean's right there. So it kind of lends itself to a lot of adventure that had it been set, like, in a city. You know, if it had been set in, like, a real big urban area, you couldn't really picture these kids being able to no. wander off and do this kind of thing. They
1: would, but it would probably be like a Saw movie.
0: It yeah. would be like a horror movie if yeah. it, that were to happen. And you know, They ride their bikes a lot. They ride their
1: bikes. I mean, they, they, they really act with... They act like kids, mm-hmm. you know, and they laugh at the same kinds of things and they poke fun at each other and stuff like that. And you say one eyed
0: Willy a lot.
1: One eyed Willie. <laughs> I'm gonna somehow I think I'm gonna train Mulder <laughs> to meow one eyed Willie just so when you come over. See,
0: the one eyed Willy stuff too, I mean it starts very early on because when they're all meeting up at Mike's house. And um, you know, Chunk is an incredible klutz. He's a very klutzy kid from the moment we meet him, and he accidentally knocks over Mike's mom's favorite statue. It's like
1: a it's like, like, a, like a statue it, of David. It's, it's like a miniature statue of David.
0: And of course, when it falls off the coffee table, the wiener gets knocked off, and uh, you know, hence the whole beginning of. Willie stuff,
1: and then he glues it on upside <laughs> <laughs> down.
0: Bran- oh my god, it's her favorite part.
1: <laughs> and then Brandon's like, "Man, if God made you like that, you'd all be pissing in your faces."
0: <laughs> so I mean, you know, dick jokes are obviously a very twelve-year-old.
1: Or um, the scene after the well, the wishing well scene, when they have to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and. Mikey's like, "Okay, um that cave will be the little girls room and this cave will be the little boys room." And Brandon's like starts walking off into this other direction and he's like, "Brandon, where are you going?" He's like, "I'm going to the men's room."
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. And um but of course, you know, this is a lighthearted kids movie for, t- you know, Steven Spielberg, so it has a happy ending.
1: Yeah, I mean, so Eventually, I won't tell you what happens, but they save the goondocks and they live all, all get to stay where they're at. And they the Fratelli's, you know, don't get them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'll, but, I'll leave but it at they, that. They, they, they continue to be a menace for. Yeah,
1: I'm glad that I rewatched this movie Me too. because it, I still think that it it it's a little it's a little dated, but I don't think it's that dated. I think the main thing that that is dated about it is 12 year olds these days would have cell phones. I think that's probably the only yeah. thing that kind of dates it. But, I mean, if depending on where you live, maybe not. And kids could still, you it's almost a believable adventure. Yeah. And so, you know, as fantastical as it is, it's yeah. still kind of a believable adventure.
0: Yeah, the thing that's most dated for me is just, or the thing that doesn't age well for me is just, the cheesiness of it. Like the cheesiness of the movie didn't bother me when we were kids, but watching it now, cause I haven't seen it in 20 years at least. Mm-hmm. It definitely was kind of like, okay. <laughs> and Andy, she drove me crazy. Let's,
1: what drove you? So, so if we weren't picking favorite characters, you're picking, picking least, North. least or, favorite character. She's
0: not my least favorite character, but again, this is another movie we're picking where women don't have a huge role in these movies. You know, there's basically two women if we don't count Mama Fortelli, because she's just kind of an evil character. What about Rosalita? See, <laughs> she, she just didn't have that large of a role. And the mom, you know, I mean, the adults. I, let's just say, of the kids, of yeah. the of the the main characters, the protagonists, the kids, you know, there's two women to pick from. And watching it now, I mean, Steph totally outshines Andy in terms of how she talks, how bright she is. Like Andy was just other than her being the one that could play the bones. Um, she was just this kind of whiny neurotic. I don't know. And you know, very, very surfacey, you know, it's like she she's a cheerleader. So one of those kind of getting by with her looks kind of thing, not yeah. with her brain and well, there's kind of kind of not a feminist, well, not I, a feminist at all.
1: I, I, I'm not. Defi- I totally agree with everything yeah. that you're saying. One thing that I would say is this movie really also kind of plays out like um, like an. Like they, they they there's actual s- footage of it where Sloth is watching a movie of um Errol Flynn in like a pirate kind of mm. movie and um it really kind of harks back to some like old kind of like adventure movies mm-hmm. like a Sinbad or something like that and there's always kind of a femme fatale yeah. kind of. Or, no, Damsel in Distress, yeah. not fanfatella, yeah. Damsel in Distress. And she definitely kind of fills the Damsel in Distress role. Granted, she's on the adventure with them, but yeah. she's—it's you're. It's like,
0: oh, my God, what are we going to do? Yeah, kind she's, of, she's, she's, she's of, like, oh. shrieks, you know. You know she and, has almost, like, a mental breakdown, and, yeah. and it just seemed like even though Steph, whose glasses were crushed and she could barely see anything— she seemed to be holding it together a yeah. lot better. Yeah. And and Andy is also, you know, really driven by her hormones. So, you know, she's got one guy who's this total jerk. Troy. Uh, Troy. you know if he you're works at, be,
1: He's part of the country club crowd.
0: Exactly. You know, he's after her, and then you've got Brandon after her. So she's definitely leading with her sexuality in not what I think is a positive way, but well, just yeah, as a, yeah. you know, it, it just, ugh. So, (laughs) so she definitely was not, and I probably liked her more when I was a kid because I thought, "Oh, cool, she's she's on the trip, (laughs) she's on the trip with these guys or whatever." But uh.
1: yeah, Uh, I think one of the other things that I really loved about this movie growing up because of just my like creativity and wanting Mm -hmm. to like build things is I loved Data and all of his gadgets. Oh
0: yeah, his data data data
1: data is like data at one point like when you first meet him decides to like swoop in on like a, on, on like a wire on a zip line. And he's play and he puts in a tape that just says 007 on it. And he's playing the James Bond theme as he does this. And he wears a trench coat and he's got this backpack and he's got all these gadgets. Right. Yeah. And um, he's, he's like Q he's got like mm-hmm. in, in James Bond, he's got like all these different little things that, that if they don't have data, on this trip they're dead yeah they're going to they, he saves them in so many ways i mean he
0: had his pinchers of power he had his slick shoes <laughs> what were some other ones that they used um in the the, the
1: punt the the like um boxing glove on that shot out from his jacket and, and beat punched, up the Fertelli guy and, um, hey guys i got a great idea slick shoes that, slick that one shoes. that one's great oh and then just having the um The blinder lights, yeah, and he just has like all these kind of neat things. So like as a kid, it was Mm -hmm. like if I was ever playing like spy or something Mm -hmm. like that, or or you know, he there's all these MacGyver dot you know kind of gadgets kind of thing. Then you could always look at him like, oh man, that was so cool that he had these things. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. You know, it's funny. It's like I probably was a pirate. I think I was a pirate once when I was a kid for Halloween, mm-hmm. but I never really like, su- I've never really super been into pirates. Mm-hmm. So I never got that pirate influence from this movie. Yeah. Like I never wanted to be one eyed Willie <laughs> <laughs> or go on a one eyed Willie adventure mm-hmm. or, or search for one eyed Willie.
0: Oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm so predictable he's just making me do this Um, so but well well, here's the thing I mean were you ever a pirate for Halloween I think so at least once
1: but I mean I don't think any of us were were like pirates are amazing because of Goonies I mean I'm sure a lot of people were I'll,
0: I'll, I'll give you a reason why I can say understand that we never see any pirates alive. It's not like we see them doing stuff. There's no
1: swashbuckling. Yeah, in there, this we movie. don't see
0: what they're... We just see all these skeletons of all these dead pirates around. Yeah. So I, we're not seeing them in action. We're not seeing them with sword fights.
1: You're not even seeing... Like, other than, like, the, the broken down ship, you're also not even seeing, like, the traditional kind of pirate garb or no. anything like that. Other than, like... The only thing that you think about with pirates in this movie is, like, skulls and bones. That's yeah. That's it. Yeah. And and booby traps. <laughs> and one-eyed Willie. <sighs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, while, yes, they're searching for pirate treasure and they talk about pirates all the time. Yeah. You don't... Because it isn't a movie necessarily about pirates. It's about their treasure. is a movie about kids. You know, it's yeah. a movie about little adventurers that are... Yeah. You know, not afraid. They're very brave. They're very, you know, bold. And they're, you know, they're quick on their feet. And like they say, when they meet, uh, I think it's when they pass where Chester Copperpot's skeleton is. Mm-hmm. You know, once they dig up his wallet because he'd been crushed by one of the booby traps. You know, they, they stop and say, they're like, whoa, uh, he was like an adult. And he was a professional
1: and we've gotten farther than him.
0: Yeah, like how how are we this much further than that guy? Yeah, they, they
1: they actually had that conversation in the wishing well scene when they were trying to talk about their dreams. Oh god. <laughs> See, you that, you got that wrong because you you had totally turned off that scene because you wanted to just not watch that scene ever again. <sighs> It just made you. It, so goofy. it is kind of goofy. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's an important scene because at that point, like you've got Andy and Steph and Brandon who are not like part of their group. And after that scene, they're like they kind of become part of the it's group. Like they, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. they they the, the full initiation happened because that was their opportunity to go back up with Troy and leave the four kids alone or, or actually there's only three kids. Right. Hmm. Chunk wasn't there.
1: Oh, that's right. Chunk doesn't go on the adventure with them because...
0: <sighs> he's being held hostage by the Fratellis. He's being held hostage
1: by the Fratellis, and then later freed by Sloth. the great character Sloth. Now, there is a fun thing about Sloth, other than the fact that he is actually just kind of a sweetheart, and mm-hmm. he really just wants to yeah. have He friends.
0: wants to be loved.
1: He wants to be loved. Um, at one point, the Fratellis kind of captured the whole the group, and chunk and sloth come to their come to their aid and save them mm-hmm. and when sloth um makes his appearance in front of his brothers and his mom he rips off his mm-hmm. shirt to show that he has a superman shirt on mm-hmm. and then it s- plays the superman theme briefly mm-hmm. and that is a total like richard donner nod oh, yeah. like awesome. i made this movie and I'm make I made Sp- Superman. So it's kind of fun.
0: That was awesome. And I think he had a little pirate hat on Yeah, you know, pirate
1: I, hat. I, I it was, mean, it was great. Sloth. Sloth really should be like the hero. He's the hero of this movie in, in yeah. a lot of ways. And um, good for Sloth. Played by an actor who didn't do a lot, but he was an Oakland Raider. Oh, really? Yeah. he was a former football player turned uh, turned actor.
0: Interesting. So, yeah. There you go. Want to talk about favorite characters?
1: You know, it's really hard for me to pick my favorite character on this because, like, when I was a kid, it probably would have been Data. hmm And as an adult... I think it's still data only because i think i like all of his gadgets Mm -hmm. and he's and he's into the adventure and he never really like there's times where he's where he's cool and then there's times where he's kind of scared like a kid should be he's never annoying but he's never annoying exactly he's always trying to help out he's always trying to like i mean and again he saves their lives numerous Mm -hmm. times brandon is just kind of self-centered hmm um,
0: And he didn't pass the driver's
1: test. And he didn't pass the driver's test. And he picks on Mikey, Mikey and yeah. the other Goonies all the time. And he stole a little girl's bike. Yeah. I mean, not the best character to like. Um, I agree with you about Andy. Steph, not a, not a huge character. Um, mouth has some funny lines.
0: He's, he's basically Eddie Haskell, but with a dirty mouth. Yeah, but they
1: can't... But again they can't go on their adventure without him because the map is written in In Spanish Spanish. and he knows how to speak Spanish. All right. And um, Chunk is... I like Chunk. I think he's funny. He's, He's definitely, like... He's definitely the kid who is very realistic, who, like, wants to be loved and have friends and he just thinks he has to say things to, like get people to like him Mm -hmm. but he he just does it in the dumbest way and but he's 12 so I mean I kind of like laugh at him and I just think he's just so he's just trying so hard so data so I'm I'm thinking data And, and Mikey Sean Astin you know he he this is it's so funny because he's so looks so young in this movie that I don't even recognize him as like anything he's ever done in anything else mm-hmm. you know he just looks so different mm-hmm. and you know he's the one pushing the adventure and everything like that but you know i guess I,
0: I, he's got a whitiness to him too
1: yeah and there's just nothing kind of cool about him
0: uh, i well, don't know he's
1: got asthma so he's yeah, gotta deal with that i don't all know i mean he's he's a great i mean they don't go on this adventure without him. I mean, yeah. He he really pushes them mm-hmm. to do this. It's yeah, his they, whole They all idea. have
0: their role. They all have a function. Right.
1: And um I guess I just think like Data's cool. So. Data. Yeah, that's good. Data. None of the fratellis. None. Yeah. Of
0: them. Chunks my favorite character. Great. And I don't think it, I don't think I would have thought he was my favorite character when we were kids because I think I would have done a lot of eye rolling as a kid like oh my god he's such a klutz oh my god he's so silly he's just you know he's, he tries so hard but yeah. watching it as an adult yeah chunk's my favorite character. i, I love
1: one of, one of my
0: favorite scene is a chunk scene
1: is it the, um, the, the torture bl- scene? It's
0: the blender interrogation yes, scene. Yes, that is so where great. he reveals every bad deed he's we want ever you, we want you done. Well, his whole life. That's not and what, is, that,
1: that wasn't what they asked him. It they wasn't, asked him, but that's how they, he interpreted we to, it. We want you to tell us everything.
0: Everything.
1: Everything.
0: And oh my god, that scene had me dying. <laughs> I. It just. It was so. I loved it. That scene cracked that, me up. And that's a great and, scene. and and not just him in that scene where he's just crying and just because they're evil like he they're about to they're, they're
1: about to turn his hand in the, in the, the hamburger meat exactly
0: but the the expressions on the three of their faces listening to this kid reveal every horrible thing he's ever done and they just they don't say anything they can't cuz they're just so stunned well, by J- all J- this like long confessional that this kid has well, i was J- J- dying
1: J- jake at one point even goes i'm starting to like this kid Ma
0: exactly i mean <laughs> it just was so and of course you know he, he the, his relationship with sloth too was very kind and sweet but but the torture scene, he won it. He won me over that. Scene. Yeah, that's that, so funny.
1: That is, I I am glad that you pick pick chunk because, um, he uh, like I said he. There's something just lovable about yeah. him, and and I think that that is that's a fun thing. So yeah.
0: what's your favorite scene?
1: Um. So your favorite scene is the is the interrogation, interrogation scene. scene. Um, <clears throat> my favorite scene. Well, obviously, it's the wishing well scene. No, I'm just kidding. Is it when
0: Andy makes out with um, Mikey instead of Brandon?
1: Yeah, and and she thinks that he was standing in a Come hole here. because he's so much shorter. No.
0: He has braces? What? Ugh. No.
1: No. I, I actually really like the scene when... I, I, I really like the interrogation scene. That scene's mm-hmm. great. But I really like the scene when... Mikey meets, like, discovers One-Eyed Willie oh. and has this kind of conversation yeah. with him about yeah. I beat you, you know, mm-hmm. I, I made it here kind of thing. And and he, he kind of, ha- like, breaks down and has, like, this heartfelt kind of, like, mm-hmm. like, kind of coming-of-age kind of yeah. kind of experience yeah. in this scene. And, um, I don't know, I just kind of like it. and And, then, and
0: how he was wise enough to leave that one...
1: Tray uh, that of, one
0: tray left, which was then another booty trap. Well, you know what? Was
1: it a booby trap? Because ultimately it, it freed it, the ship.
0: Um,
1: that that doing that freed the ship.
0: Well, was the ship supposed to be freed? Does it matter? Well, either way, clearly, there was he was the clearly they set it up so that it, make, <clears throat> it makes it look smart that you leave that behind, yeah, don't rob them of this, right. leave that behind because. Right. Yeah, I to-
1: So, um, I totally also felt like the way this movie ends feels like they're supposed to be, like they were going to probably make another one, hmm. and they never did.
0: Eh, and, I don't know. I think it was a complete story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, y- y- you know how kind of like, um, like something that this movie totally influenced is like Stranger Things.
0: Well, yeah, and, duh, I mean, Stranger Things in season two, you've got Sean Astin, and yeah. he does a lot of nods to this movie. I think there's even scenes about treasure maps. Right. So In Stranger Things.
1: So, um, oh, Bob. you know, it, it would have been cool to kind of see, like, something else, but I think where you lose it is, like, whenever there's something with teenagers, I always, you, you always run into this problem of, actors get older and kids get older it's like that's why like whenever you have you had like a a sitcom with teenage kids it was like once they graduated high school what did you do (laughs) you know did they go did you see them go off to college just because you wanted to make more seasons of a show or did you end the show you know that kind of thing yeah and I think that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't I mean not that this is a Stranger Things podcast, but from what I understand, like they had a lot of challenges with some of the young actors filming season three because
0: they're all dr- growing and well, in particular, is like fin- fin- Finn
1: Wolfhard grew like eight <laughs> inches between season two and season three. So they literally had to film it differently to make it look more normal. I mean, it was so bizarre um watching that, but. The way that I could totally see, like, especially with, like, the whole, like, so many movies that we grew up with, like, got sequels that some were good, some are terrible. I could see, like, them wanting to make more of these movies, but I'm really glad they didn't. Me too. <laughs> I mean, of course, you know... I'm sure The Rock will somehow get involved in trying oh to revamp gosh. this.
0: Yeah. He's going to want to do a sequel. You know. He'll want to do a remake. No, actually,
1: actually, I don't know how old his kids are, but when his kids get old enough, they will yeah. redo it. You know, oh And, um, you know, it was definitely uh, I just think that that it was for for our age group. It was a fun coming of age adventure story. Oh yeah. You know, and there's a lot and, and that and it really kind of influenced a lot of other coming of age
0: sure. young I mean, adventure many, stories. How many kids when they saw this movie probably like wanted to raid their attics and see if there was any was a treasure kind of map? Treasure map or what or whatnot. made
1: fake treasure maps to yeah. find a a, a treasure yeah. from underneath their porch.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I also just wanna give a quick shout out to Cindy Lauper and her music in the movie, I thought it was charming, and, Good I, don't, for and me. I think, and I think it still ages well. I like it.
1: Cindy Lauper is a, a an she's artist. She's, she's an excellent artist, timeless.
0: So, with what I think she does, eczema commercials, like she has eczema or something like that. She's going to be in a Golden Girls remake that they're doing. What she and Jane Lynch have been si- have signed up with Netflix to do a Golden Girls like kind of series. Yep, it's going to be awesome.
1: Wow, that's yeah. pretty cool.
0: The other two ladies still to be cast? I thought that's what that
1: Hot in Cleveland show was. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there there was a show called Hot in Cleveland with a bunch of young uh well, maybe I'm Betty White was in that. Maybe that's why I'm t- tying okay. it to yeah. Hot in Cleveland. Exactly. Betty White was in that. So
0: So we're going to move on to another movie about 12-year-olds. Another movie about an adventure. But an incredibly different tone. Everything about Stand By Me is very different than Goonies.
1: Well, let's... Again, similarities. Age, similar. There was bad guy... There's bad guys kind of Mm -hmm. going after the same treasure or Mm -hmm. or goal. There is a map in it. Well, we don't see the map because the map gets thrown away by by one of the character's moms. Oh, yeah. But there's a map. And, again... Corey Feldman is, mm-hmm. you know, is one of the, the group of four.
0: Yep. So um, Stand By Me came out in 86, so a year after Goonies. Like Matt said, Corey Feldman is in it. He plays Teddy. Uh, Will Wheaton plays Gordy. Jerry O'Connell, unrecognizable because he's so freaking hot now, plays Vern. And River Phoenix plays Chris Chambers. Kiefer Sutherland plays a bad guy. And there's a lot of other adults that are just pretty much mean or useless or villainous. And uh,
1: I wouldn't say that about all the adults in this.
0: A lot of them.
1: I, I think it's just how certain things are interpreted.
0: OK, well, that, I, I mean,
1: that's the, 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 like of the of the adults we see. The meanest is like the junkyard guy.
0: Uh, Will Wheaton's dad's not very nice either. He's
1: not really. He's not very nice, but he's
0: he's, he's grieving the death. He's grieving the death of John Cusack.
1: Yes. Yes. But even before that, he was kind of rude.
0: Yeah, he was. He but was
1: not mean. as bad as the junkyard guy.
0: No, no. The, junk, the junkyard
1: guy was definitely. And even though we don't see him, Teddy's dad was pretty bad.
0: Teddy's dad's bad. Chris's dad is bad. Vern's parents don't sound like real great people. So, so the premise of this movie is that it's Labor Day, 1959. Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. They're and about to
1: go back to school.
0: And they they finished grammar school, so they're all going to be going to middle school. So they already know that their dynamic is going to be different because this this town is really small. It's Castle Rock, Oregon. So this is our second movie this week, also in Oregon. They just know that while they, you know, acknowledge it openly or not, this is kind of the last moment that their friendships will be like this, like this, they kind of want to freeze this moment in time and know that. Cause when they go back to school, because of the way middle school is, they're not going to be in the same classes. Most likely it'll be harder to stay as connected as they were when they were growing up together in elementary school. we you going to say,
1: I was just going to say, um, and I'm sure I know you're going to mention this. This movie is based on a short story, by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. The Body. Called The Body, um, which mm-hmm. that's probably the most Stephen king is as it kind of gets as far as um, he's so known for horror, but just the idea of what their adventure is going on and it being called The Body. But a, a majority of his stories, or a lot of his stories, take place in Maine, and this takes place in Oregon.
0: Yeah, so that was definitely a um, a departure for what he normally does. And... The main characters are kids. I don't know how many of his stories feature kids as the main characters. It? Yeah. That's it, defi- Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I guess there's a handful, but really, I mean... He's
1: written so many things, and yeah. a lot have been turned into movies or television series that some people... Know. I mean, The Shining, yeah. there's a kid in that. I mean, yeah. there's definitely... A, a child, you know, he he uses kids a lot, just yeah. like I mean, as much as he uses adults, maybe. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Um, another one, other actor in this movie, uh, Richard Dreyfus. He's um, gor- grown up Gordon, uh, Gordy, and he's the narrator for the story. So Vern is under his porch because he has lost the treasure map that he drew to find a court jar, court a jar, jar of pennies. Of pennies. Um, And he overhears his brother and his brother's friend talking about how they found this dead body of the kid. So the big adventure that the kids are going to go on is um, looking for the body of Ray Brower, another 12-year-old kid from their town. And again, this is a really small town. I think it was like 1,200 people or something. So everybody knows everybody. And... You know, they're trying to figure out okay, what story do we tell to our parents? Oh, we're all going to go to a sleepover at Vern's house. Oh, Vern, you're going to sleep over at Teddy's house. Next day, we're going to go to the drag races. That gets us in the clear for two full days to be gone to go on this 20 plus mile walk down 30, maybe 30 (laughs) along the railroad tracks to this spot on like the back of Harlow Road or something to see where where is, where did Ray's body get found? And.
1: Well, and if they find the body, they could is, be heroes and yeah. maybe get an award and be, yeah. we could be on TV, you know, that, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and, you know, things that 12 year olds care about. Sure. <laughs>
0: but I, but I mean, I think there was also, um, they all were cons- curious for sure about like, how did a kid, do- how did this kid die you or, know or was he killed or what happened yes. so um so the movie this movie being our also I want to throw point out third Rob Reiner movie we're talking about which I think is great mm-hmm. it, it goes over you know it, it it just it takes place over just the course of these few days and over these two two days really and it's established pretty early you know, what these four kids are like. You know, Teddy is this wild kid. You know, he he has a dad who we later find out is in, like, a psychiatric unit somewhere. He's in a nut house because he went crazy one day, and probably one of the many beatings that Teddy suffered as a kid, um, he took Teddy's face and ear and put it to a stove and nearly killed him. Yet, Teddy has... This, you know, he's incredibly defensive of his dad. And throughout the movie, he'll talk about how his dad stormed the beach at Normandy. And, you know, I'm not really sure if I believe it. Well. Or if it was just an exaggeration. But this this is the story that he grew up hearing about his father and kind of making his father this larger than life person.
1: The movie takes place in 1959. Mm -hmm. And the kids are
0: 12. So so he would have been born in 47.
1: So it. It, it is possible mm-hmm. that his father was in the war mm-hmm. and po- and could maybe he had PTSD you yeah. know, maybe something happened to him maybe he didn't yeah. maybe he didn't you know have the glory of you know being an american soldier mm-hmm. in world war 2 or maybe something happened to him and maybe that made him nuts or maybe he made all that shit up we don't really know all we know is is that teddy has He's idolized he, his he's, dad. He's idolized his dad, he, but his dad's not in the picture.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, Teddy, like, wears, like, camo gear, mm-hmm. like, has, like, a military canteen, always talks about, you know, makes comments, you know, or sound effects, like, he's in the middle of a mm-hmm. battle kind of thing. And, yeah. And his whole life is a battle, really. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Corey Feldman actually, all, all four of the boys, there's something great about... All their characters, and we'll talk about that later.
0: Yeah. Um, so Teddy kind of has this really wild streak, this kind of rage under the surface. You know, he's he's really hard to handle, kind of guy. Um, Vern is the ultra cautious, very deep, you know intense worrier, afraid of his parents, afraid of his brother. Um, just doesn't want to break the rules. It's just you know this. I feel so for, so much for Vern. He, he's
1: also, again, like Chunk, the fat kid who always gets teased and yeah. made fun of.
0: Yeah. Too bad he didn't have a crystal ball. Don't know what he's going to look like when he grew up. <sighs> Anyways. Um, Gordy is very creative. He's a storyteller. He becomes a writer when he grows up. But he's also dealing with great family tragedy. Four months earlier, his brother had died in a car accident. And... He says, I'm an invisible boy in my family. You know, his parents just cannot deal with this. They don't acknowledge that he's even alive anymore because the older brother is gone. So he deals with this trauma all the time. And it's very sad. I mean, it's so sad to watch him. Even even
1: before his brother died, though, his brother was like seen as like the king of the high school Mm -hmm. like so much potential his dad superstar superstar in in the making and his dad just had him on this super high pedestal and gordy was just you know ignored ignored by his dad and his his but his brother played by john cusack um he loved denny um he loved him. He gave him a hat, and he, there, there's a yeah. few moments. That, that there's only the couple scenes with John in it, John Cusack in it, where he plays um, Dennis, where he and Gordy have these really great moments mm-hmm. that really shape the character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, those are some of the best moments of the movie. And then you have Chris Chambers, who's River Phoenix, who uh, he's so good. I forgot what an incredible actor he is. I've never
1: forgotten how incredible an actor he is. Well, I haven't seen
0: any of his movies in a long time, but just to watch him in this movie, he's kind of, as Gordy describes it, the leader of their gang. And he, you know, his father's a raging alcoholic, beats him all the time. Um, He's a troubled kid. He gets in trouble. You know, he's got a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve. And, you know, he really kind of, he's the tough kid in the group. Um, But also really bright and very articulate and also kind of a fill-in bigger brother for Gordy now yeah. that Dennis is gone. One thing
1: that... Um... And this isn't really a spoiler because you you find this out at the very beginning of the movie. Gordy is a writer and mm-hmm. he's and he's the and, you know, he's narrating the story and he's basically writing the story about this whole event, that mm-hmm. this adventure that they happen. And what inspires him to write this is at the very beginning of the movie, he's sitting in a car and he looks at a newspaper article and he sees that. Chris has been murdered. Yeah.
0: He was killed in a and fa- breaking up a fight in a fast food restaurant. He was right. stabbed.
1: So that inspires him to kind of write this story. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of guy, you know, here you, you, you learn throughout the movie about Chris chambers and the troubles he has and the things that he tell. the way he's kind of, he kind of talks to Gordy is, you know, he's really, like you said, he's trying to fill in for where, you know, he lost a brother and mm-hmm. he's trying to be, You know, that brother figure that he doesn't have.
0: He even says at one point, I wish I was your dad because I would value. Well, he doesn't use the word value, but I would value you. I would see you. I would be able to love you the way that your dad is too blind to. Right. So the way that these long adventures go, you know, and 12 year old boys. Like none of them packed any food, you know they they kind of didn't ha- they didn't have a complicated you know checklist before their trip, so yeah. they traveled very light. Um, you know, luckily they were able to scrounge up enough money to go to the local uh, local grocer and pick up a few things so they could actually eat a little bit on the trip, but. You know, the trip they got to, I think, um, Vern brought a little radio. So we get to hear a lot of great music from the late fifties. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Matt and I grew up listening to oldies all the time, but this movie is a really great solid soundtrack of songs from the fifties, you know, starting with like Buddy Holly. And of course, stand by me by Benny King. And I didn't notice this until watching it today, but there's like a musical score that repeats stand by me throughout the whole movie, which is really sweet. Um, I mean, you know these kids. You know they're off on the adventure, and you know things happen. You know problems come up. Um, you know there's a chase with a a dog, which the
1: chopper, chopper sick balls.
0: <laughs> and and the junkyard owner um, confronts all the kids, and again because this is such a small town, he's like, I know all of you, and I'm gonna go. All your dads are gonna get phone calls from me tonight. Oh yeah, except you, Teddy, because your dad's in the loony bin. Um, you know he causes a lot of problems for the kids. Kiefer Sutherland, super big villain in this. Major less D- evil, Major Dick. maybe less evil than his role in Lost Boys. For oh, different I, reasons. I don't know, man. He's, well,
1: he's he's pretty messed up in this movie. He, I mean,
0: no, no, he's maybe more like David is probably less evil in some ways than David, Ace. Okay, David is cool. Yeah. Ace. Yeah, David is a was our dick. favorite character. We loved
1: David. Ace is a dick.
0: Ace is awful. I mean, Ace rips um Denny's Yankees cap off his head right after we'd seen Off the, of Gordy's head. Off, yeah. off of Gordy's head, right when we'd seen the flashback where Gordy like gives him this. Guy. I mean, just oh so, you know, you just want to punch Ace in the face. I think
1: and then there's like the, to give you an idea of what Ace is like, like, he's the leader of the of the older gang, the Cobras. Oh God. <laughs> and he's just you know he's like the ultimate like rebel. You know they, and he's very he bullies his own gang members. Yeah, he's you just know? He's, he's just so, so evil. He's just such a dick. And, I mean,
0: and and, but, he... and there's
1: like rumors that he's like had sex with his own mom oh, and okay. like, like weird shit. And and it's just he's he's horrible. He, I mean, there's a re- if you if this was the first movie you saw Key for Sutherland in, which probably for I us think it, it was, was um, it's hard to not see him as. Kind cool. of a villain, yeah. Going forward, and I, we mentioned that in Lost Boys, like he always kind of seems like he should be a villain or something.
0: Yeah. Ace and his gang of jerks—they um, cause a lot of problems for the four boys while they're out. I mean,
1: well, and and, and like the number two in the gang is Chris's brother, mm-hmm. Eyeball, eyeball. <laughs> and they're all just pricks, they're yeah, much pricks.
0: So, I mean, the the kids are, you know, the kids are kind of trudging along. They're doing their long 20-ish mile walk, and they're following the train tracks. And you have a scene where it becomes, is a train going to come, and can they beat it? You know, and that's an intense scene. But I think one of the strongest things about this movie is... There are a lot of like deep conversations that these 12-year-olds have. And I'm yes. not talking about the fire, you know, around the fire when they're tra- debating the Disney characters and what is Goofy a dog or not. I'm talking about... God, my, what What the hell is Goofy? I know. <laughs> I think I think like my... Mm-hmm. You know, and this is kind of jumping to a, what's my favorite scene, but it's more just a it. series of scenes. My favorite scenes are these intense one-on-one talks that Chris and Gordy have. Whether it's... When Chris is um, standing guard at night because they heard they heard coyotes and, you know, he's talking about how unfair it is that everyone just always assumes he's this horrible person and he's going to always do these bad things. Is he ever going to be able to get out of this town and create a new life for himself? Well, and
1: he talks about how he wa- he wants to get out because he wants to go somewhere where no one knows who yeah. he is. he so can he start can, over. He can start over, yeah.
0: You know, those moments or when Gordy talks about his brother's death and, you know, he didn't cry at the funeral, but, oh, my God, I miss him so much. And, you know, just those intense conversations that the two of them have. I mean, not only does it showcase what an incredible actor River Phoenix was, but it feels so authentic. Like, I I don't know if 12-year-old boys would really talk like this or not, but the emotion that... Is, I mean, that's why this movie is so, so much more like an adult movie. This is what the movie's a rated R movie. It was not a kid's movie. No. And I don't know. I, I, I just think the themes are so grown up, even though it's 12 year olds that are. Yeah, the leads.
1: I, you know, honestly, I don't remember having friends that I would have conversations like that with when I was 12. I had I had friends when I was 12, but I don't yeah. and I had friends that I would probably go on like little adventures with, but I don't remember having like those heart to heart kind of conversations and maybe it's and and it could just be my personality or you know just how I was when I was 12, but you know, I don't remember like granted I I also don't remember have like either I was insensitive and didn't ki- give a shit or I you've never been that way. Uh, well, maybe I just never knew of people having such a hard time as these friends, these kids that, had. That was what I was going <laughs> to say.
0: I think you and I were actually both very fortunate to never really know. We didn't have any peers that had these kinds of horrible lives. Well but no close friends at least that we ever would have really known got, about.
1: You know, and and if they did, I apologize like not caring that much. I, I I you know, there's times like like watching this movie I started having like this kind of like thought like you know, I don't remember any of the friends that I had having home lives like Teddy had. Mm-mm. But also was I just kind of like living in my bubble and not like noticing or not like who or were they hiding it that well or i don't or did they not want to talk about it i mean that's that's the other thing like we didn't live in a small town when you live in a small town yeah news gets around everyone kind of knows things you hear rumors and there's kind of like this whole like small town gossipy kind of thing that happens maybe it's more important for kids that age to have relationships like that Because of the, you know, the things that they were going through.
0: I will also point out, this is where I feel like this movie is such a perfect period piece in the sense that the elements that they highlight for that period don't necessarily carry on much past this slice of time. They're all twelve. They all smoke. (laughs) And um, maybe being a kid in 1959 meant you really had the fear of God of your, you know, you you really feared your parents so much because you were beaten all the time. Like, was that pretty common back then? I mean, it seems like parenting has radically changed from decade to decade. And I mean, the idea that in the 50s, yeah, you need to fear getting your, your butt beaten if you did something wrong. Because it did actually happen. So them having that as a shared experience was really kind of no big deal because that's what it was like for most kids growing up in the 50s. Yeah. So that, you know, that was another kind of eye-opening thing watching this movie again. Because, you know, we watched it when it came out in the in the mid-'80s. And, you know, there was a lot of, like, nostalgia movies done in the mid-'80s of the 50s and early 60s, and it's kind yeah. of the way things work. Yeah. Um, but to watch it now, you know, 30 years later, you know, the the period piece element really stands out to me. And it doesn't feel dated. It just seems wow you know the smoking, smoking thing of course because you don't you, you know you'll
1: I don't as, know you don't see it as much anymore I mean you see
0: kids vaping now but that's all so, um, but yeah 12 year olds all smoking like they said oh man good smoke after meal like I love it you know just you know yeah. um, but the parents whipping the kids if they get out of line a little bit yeah. I mean is that maybe kind of common back then I don't know. Um, again, I mentioned it already, but soundtrack for this movie is excellent. I mean, it really sets the tone for the whole movie. Yeah. It's really great. It helps pace the movie a lot, too, because they're kind of just on a walking journey through a lot of this movie, you know yeah. so the music really kind of helps keep the movie moving forward. Um, I don't know. You want to jump to your favorite scene or favorite well, well, types wanted, of scenes?
1: <laughs> one of the things that I was going to talk about earlier, and we were talking about these, like this group of boys and, and the four of them, and you know, you kind of went over some of their background. Mm. Um, but there's something about, like Corey Feldman. You know, I was do, in doing my research. I guess in one interview, he said like. This character is like the closest character that he's ever played. That is like who he is in real life.
0: Wow, that's interesting. And You mean, he's not like a frog brother.
1: <laughs> no, no.
0: He's not like mouth. <laughs> no, but
1: and, and 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 I think that's the thing about like these these kids is they're 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 really sensitive and they're really smart mm-hmm. and they they really kind of like throughout the whole movie they like goof on each other and mm. i mean when we watched this as kids like memorable scenes when we were kids was like the barfarama scene oh man that scene is so great or um when they're all in the junkyard and they they toss the they they toss the coins to see who's going to get the food. Gordy loses, and they're, like, all ragging on him because he lost the thing, and he's like, hey, shut up. I don't shut up. I grow up. And when I look at you, I throw up. Ah. That kind of... Scenes like that are the memorable Mm -hmm. scenes. Watching this now, (laughs) especially with a kid, Mm -hmm. I watched this movie in some ways with with very different eyes. Mm -hmm. It, It really hit me in a lot of ways, like, these kids really have been through a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even, even Gordy, who has like the most normal, n- normal home life, doesn't have a normal home life because his brother was killed in a car accident yep. and his parents, even though they don't abuse him physically, they abuse him he's emotionally, emotionally abused. like crazy, he's, he's
0: neglected
1: because they, I mean, the, the scene, there's a scene where they're all sitting at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And they're all talking about Denny and how scouts are going to be at the football game, blah, 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 blah. Denny goes, hey, did you read that story Gordy wrote? It was a really great story. And they just and they just totally ignore him. Yeah. And he has to, like, whisper to him, like, I listened to you. I read your story, and I thought it was really great. Yeah. And ultimately, that kind of encouragement is what he needed. Um, yeah,
0: Denny's the only one that kind of validated Gordy at besides all.
1: The, besides the guys. Yeah. Besides his group. Probably one of my favorite scenes in this movie because this is a really great movie um but the scene that really stood out to me while we're doing my rewatch was there's a scene and it's one of those moments between chris and gordy they're walking on the tracks and it it i think it's after the night that they had they're like on their way to um oh no before
0: the leeches
1: i think it was before the leeches. Okay. And, um, <clears throat>
0: which let me point out, I don't think I ever really knew what leeches were until watching this movie and now wow. you wish you
1: didn't know, Yeah, but, um,
0: have never wanted to fall into a, a body of water filled with leeches. Yeah.
1: Say. So, the, so they're talking about the two of them are talking about how things are going to be different when they go to school mm-hmm. and Gordy's like, it's not going to be different. And Chris is trying to explain to him, yes, it is. You're gonna be in different classes because you're gonna be in college prep classes, and me and and Teddy and Vern are gonna be in, in the the dumb classes. Basically, mm-hmm. he doesn't say that he doesn't use that term. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what he means, though. You know, we're gonna be in sh- you know making ashtrays and shit, and you're gonna be you know reading. He's like, I don't want to take any of those classes. And Chris is like, I don't ever want to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. You have a gift, yeah. You know, and you need to use it because you're smart and you were you have been given brains. And you know we've been sh- shit on, and we you need to get you need to get out of here. And this scene is almost identical to the scene in Goodwill Hunting when Ben Affleck mm. has the same conversation with Matt Damon. Yeah. You know, like yeah, I'm going to be breaking bricks my whole life, and you've been given you know mm-hmm. a lottery ticket. You know, you need to to do this, and just. Seeing the scene and seeing how this friend, who's not his brother, who's not his parents, who's not a family member, encouraged him to really pursue something. I thought that I just thought that was a great scene. It's wonderful. And it was it really hit me at the you know, at this point in my life and seeing seeing this happen like, holy shit, man, this is a fucking kid who really this is a real friend. You know, yeah, and 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 you know, I look back at the friends I've had, and I've had friends like this, and I'm just, I'm glad that they're illustrating this scene in this movie with kids this young of an age, because. That's what people, I would want my son to see this scene and know. Like, if you have friends that are like this, stay with those friends mm-hmm. because yeah. they will help you get further in life. Yeah. And I just really thought it was
0: great. Yeah. I th- I mean, I th- I think any scene with River Phoenix and Will Wheaton, I mean, that is where this movie was just absolutely the strongest.
1: Yeah. Uh, is, I, I think it's pretty obvious, is River Phoenix your favorite character and Chris yes. Gamers your favorite? Yours, yours, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean. He's I re- such a
0: strong character, and he's, I mean, the range of emotion that we see, just everything, everything he did was so great.
1: I read, I read some interesting trivia
0: mm.
1: um, during, you know, during my research, one being that, um, just to show, like, the great acting that is in this movie, Kiefer Sutherland, you know, he's pretty young in this movie, mm-hmm. um, even offset he bullied the four kids,
0: oh, the four boys. Stayed in character, great. Right? Just
1: basically to kind of, because he wanted to like keep that going, like yeah. so the kids would do stuff to him. Like I guess at one point they covered his entire car in mud. Oh, you know, as to kind of get back at him. <sighs> but I mean, they were all young too. River Phoenix was fifteen mm. when he made this movie, yeah. and I I guess, and I don't know, you know. Anything you read on the internet is always questionable about how true it is, but we're on a podcast and it's fun to talk about. Um, Apparently, he went up to Rob Reiner and said, it finally happened. And Rob was like, what? you sex. He lost his virginity in the making of this movie. (laughs) So, you know, there's... That's one of the neat things about this movie is it's also kids making a movie about kids Mm -hmm. they were i mean yeah they were a little older than they were portraying but it's not like that's the it's not like that 80s thing that that i hate where you have 25 year olds playing 16 year olds (laughs) you know and and um so that was i think that river phoenix hands down is like the standout of the group yeah not that I mean, Jerry O'Connell had a, has had a successful career. I mean, mm-hmm. Sliders, that's a fun show. Um, and I'm not kidding. It's kind of a fun show. You should check it out. Um, Corey Feldman was in a ton of stuff. So he, you know, it. it's definitely like you'd say, like, how successful was he? But, you know, he he had some personal problems that kind of changed his career.
0: When you open up IMDb to look at Corey Feldman, the, the three movies that come up that are his most popular are the three we've talked about that he's in lost boys goonies and stand by me like those are what he's most known for
1: right and then um will wheaton went on to Mm. like right after this he went on to be in star trek the next generation Mm -hmm. the best star trek television show in my opinion Mm -hmm. um and you know he's had he has like a another he has like a podcast about board games and i mean he's had a nice kind of career you know post star trek that You know, he's not I think he's he's been able to do what he wants.
0: Has he played himself on Big Bang like a few times?
1: He plays himself on Big Bang Theory numerous times. Okay, that's what I thought. It starts out as he is Sheldon's um, mortal enemy because um, at one point he didn't sign a Will Wheaton action figure for Sheldon. So Mm -hmm. Sheldon hates him. And then eventually they become friends. But but um, but yeah, I mean, it's I mean, the my biggest knock on Will Wheaton He's a huge Dodger fan, and it drives me it's, crazy. You know, I can't watch. I can't. I can't read your Twitter, Will Wheaton, because you tweet <laughs> about the Dodgers too much. Yeah, I'm bitter. I'm a Giants fan. So I, sorry. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the they, the River Phoenix just
0: he he hits so, a home run with this movie.
1: He hits a home run with this movie. I I don't know a movie of his that that really isn't watchable. Yeah. I mean, like even a movie like like My Own Private Idaho for like for me, it's not I, I, there's something about it where it's like it's interesting, but there's like a pace in it that makes it like harder to watch. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a movie I would rewatch a million times.
0: Yeah, I think I've only seen it once or twice, but it's been a long long but, time.
1: But um there's a there's like a great movie called like The Mosquito Coast mm-hmm. with with Harrison Ford and he, he he that's great. I mean, so many of his movies are great and he he died when he was 23. He his career, even though he had been in a lot of stuff in that short period of time, his career was just starting. I mean, it's just so sad. And uh, to have an actor kind of standing out like he does in this movie, just to see what he was doing then, and then see look at the breadth of his career. Yeah, gotta give it to to River Phoenix.
0: Yeah, he's. I'm looking at his IMDb, and there's. Definitely a handful of movies of his that I still haven't seen yet. Um a few we may eventually talk about on the show. I've always I've always thought he was so great. I mean,
1: I'm gonna run down this because of of the ones that I know I've known I've seen. Sneakers. Stand by me great, Mosquito Coast Great.
0: Jack said Dogfight's really good.
1: <sighs> Explorers. That oh, is yeah. a fun movie. Yeah. Um
0: I don't remember if I've seen either Running on Empty or Little Nikita but I, I feel like I've seen parts Little of Nikita that.
1: is is like a spy movie. Ooh. It's pretty interesting where his parents are being investigated as Russian spies. Who would
0: be like the Americans Running on Ep- Running
1: on Empty is great. Um, it's h- him and h- and um, Ooh, Judd, Hirsch. H- Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch and, and his wife are wanted by the government because of things they did during the 60s and oh, they're kind of bringing their family along with it. I've never seen a night in, in the life of Jimmy Reardon. Obviously, he has a small part as young Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones' Last Crusade, which he's graved in.
0: Does he fall in a pit of snakes?
1: Yes. Well, he falls in a a um, train car full of snakes Snakes. i I haven't seen i love you to death i haven't seen dogfight sneakers another kind of great movie takes place in san francisco all about like technology and a huge amazing cast in in that movie i have not seen silent tongue or a thing called love or i don't know what this other movie is is about dark blood but it took it came out in twenty twelve, so I have no idea what's going on there. But anyway, yeah. Rio Phoenix can't say enough about him.
0: Agreed. Wow. <sighs> yeah, these movies again have incredibly different tones, but they both definitely showcase what <clears throat> being twelve year old boys is like, and, and in different like, ways. And like, and like and taking, they're both coming of age movies, and taking place
1: twenty five years apart, like one in fifty nine and one in the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of ways, there's that sense of adventure. You know that the well that the people who wrote these stories are trying to kind yeah. of convey, and um,
0: I think for me, "Stand by Me" has aged great. I mean, I was thrilled to rewatch this today, and I I would watch this again and again and just it was so good
1: yeah i I don't
0: know when i need to watch goonies again
1: goonies is fun like i would watch goonies when my son gets older
0: yeah yeah and i think that would be fun when he's like i bet when he's like seven i think this would be a good movie for him
1: yeah and maybe a little older than that because you don't want
0: him running around saying one-eyed willy all the time
1: i i have no problem in fact i'll make sure he writes it in your cards (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and then if i explain to him the joke he'll just draw it
0: oh my
1: God. <laughs> um you know he wasn't in it but we can ask john cusack what he thinks of goonies i mean he didn't get a huge i you know what's funny is um i'm wondering obviously again i don't read so i i'm curious <laughs> if there's more scenes with denny in uh, Dennis in, in, in the, the book, in the book, the novella, it just, and just so people know, like the body was a short story in a group of short, in a book. That's a group of short stories that, that also has Shawshank. the Shawshank redemption, um, yeah. which is not called the Shawshank redemption. It's called like, it has a different name with yeah. the word Shawshank in it. But, um, If you're a reader, go ahead and you can read that, and and then tell me whether there's more scenes with Dennis. One
0: last, one last thing about Stand By Me, and again, just to give Rob Reiner some really great credit for doing this, because he did this with When Harry Met Sally. Also, he kept this movie tight. This movie is an hour and a half, and not that I don't like movies that are long, but I like a movie that gets in, gets out. Tells a really great story and doesn't waste any time. Yeah. I mean, the pacing is great. It didn't need to be longer. I thought it was... I mean, yeah, I could have used more John Cusack. I wouldn't have been upset about that. But, yeah, hour and a half, excellent. Yeah. Again, I'm not against long movies. We're going to talk about long movies at some point. But they just... Very economic in their storytelling. I don't
1: I, I i'm I'm indifferent i have if 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 the movie doesn't get slow
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know I have no problem watching a three hour movie you know it has to there's there's certain movies that like it's hard to re-watch a three hour movie correct but it also depend again it depends on the movie yeah you know
0: well Rob Reiner has a very good editor that keeps things tight
1: nice and tight nice and tight yeah nice and tight um i want to thank everybody for listening um don't forget to like us on twitter and facebook follow our instagram and and uh please tell your friends about us you know not that we're you know dying to have a lot more listeners but you know
0: a few more would be great i would never be i'd never (laughs) Shrug at more listeners. That'd be great. And you know, please feel free to comment on our Instagram or Facebook pages. We love hearing from you guys. We love your feedback. You know, do you have a favorite River Phoenix movie? Um, did you really did you like Goonies? Who's your favorite character? We'd love to hear any of this can stuff. Can you
1: can you name another great Corey Feldman movie for us to watch? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And
0: I think we've you know, we've we've gone through the main three, so
1: the big three. I mean, I'm I'm going to pass Um, hard pass on license to drive, or, um, there's another movie where he plays like a resurrected, um, Jason Robard, dream, Dream. a little dream. Yes. Um, I'm going to pass on those two. I'll I'll pass on those, but if there's anything else, I think he did a television show, uh, dweebs, I think is what it was Mm. called anyway. Um, yeah. And, um, again, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. One eyed (laughs) Willie.
0: Thank you guys.